0: Well, I've been looking forward to uh, having Mark uh, Bupp with us for several weeks. Mark and his wife, uh, Sheila, and and their two daughters live in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Mark's uh, served in a, in a lot of uh, ministry roles uh, over the years, uh, much more experienced than me. And I just appreciate men of God that have faithfully served his kingdom uh, for, for many years. And uh, met Mark uh, several years ago uh, as we were youth pastors, and he's... Been a youth pastor, has planted a church, uh, travels an evangelist as a revivalist, and I just appreciate his heart for uh, challenging local uh, body and kind of igniting passion within the local church, and he just has a hunger for revival and for renewal, and I just uh, believe just like Mark that we are going to experience some of the greatest moves of God uh, in our nation in our lifetime that it, revival is not something that we pray for and hope that one day you know our kids and our grandkids will experience but I believe that God wants to do it in our day and through our lives as we honor him and just really looking forward to Mark uh, being here and sharing the word this morning so would you express your appreciation for uh, Mark Bupp this morning
1: well it is good to be in the house. And I'm going to start my little stopwatch uh, just so I know where I'm at. <laughs> a lot of times I could be long winded, but this morning, um, first of all, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Zach and Ashley for having me. Um, the Lord, you know, I came here this morning with a message that the Lord gave me for you all specifically. Um, I, I have something that's burning inside of me. that has been burning inside of me for the past couple of months. And that's the message that I wanted to bring this morning. <laughs> God had different plans. Because about three days ago, I was praying and I said, God, you know what? Even though this message that I have is burning in my heart, what does Access Church need? What do you want to speak to them today? And it wasn't but just a couple minutes later, I heard him say Galatians 5. And over the next three days, every time I turned around, the Holy Spirit was speaking Galatians 5. Galatians 5. So we're not going to dive into the whole chapter, obviously. Uh, We're just going to take the first maybe six verses, if I can get through them. And I want to talk to you this morning about something that can change your life. I love what Pastor Zach said about being a revivalist and, and wanting, wanting revival for our, for our region, for our state, for our country, for the world. But can I tell you something? You are the revival. I want your help this morning. So don't be afraid to shout me down, okay? It's really good. I want, I want your participation this morning. This isn't a speech. What I'm going to speak to you this morning is coming from the heart. What I'm going to speak to you this morning is coming from the Holy Spirit. So I want you to be interactive. I want you to, if you agree with something, I want you to say amen. I want you to say, that's right. Preach it. Come on. All right? I like that. This is, uh, this is who I am. I want you guys to be involved this morning with what God is doing in our midst. But first of all, I just want to welcome you, Holy Spirit, Lord, into this portion of the service. Lord, I pray right now and I declare and I decree, Lord, open minds and open spirits to receive, Lord, the impartation that comes forth today. Lord, I believe that many many are going to catch something this morning. I believe that what you're going to say is going to be caught, not as much taught, but caught. So, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. And, Lord, I lay myself before you, Lord. Everything that you've put on my heart this morning, Lord, I pray that it would come out exactly the way you want it to come out. And, Lord, that hearts and lives would be changed this morning. They would be transformed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the thing, Galatians 5 verse 1 says this, now you could try to follow along, but I use many translations, so you just read your translation and I'm going to read mine. So I'm not going to tell you what translation it is, but I'm just going to read it and you could follow along as best you can. So Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Now, when you look at the word yoke, this is something that you obey and submit to. This is something that you wear around your neck. You you guys, most of you, if any farmers in the room, and I know this area probably has a lot of farming uh, going on in the beautiful hills of the Happy Valley, But a yoke is something you put on to a a cow to kind of keep them in line. But what this is saying, basically, is the readers have taken the law and they've used it as a yoke around their neck, and it becomes slavery. And in this verse, what's being taught to us by Paul is that Christ came to set us free. Christ came to take the yoke of bondage, of sin, off of our lives. See, the law took a different role after the cross. Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law, that he came to fulfill the law. See, the law doesn't rule you any longer. You're ruled by Christ. So you're no longer ruled by the law. You're ruled by Christ. But for many of us, and I was talking to Pastor Zach this morning, we walk, you know, we receive Christ. We ask him into our lives. We ask him to become the savior of our lives. But then for many of us, we walk through our Christian life still in bondage. The thing is, the bondage that we're walking is, in a lot of ways, is self-inflicted. Because how many of you know that when Christ came and he, he died on the cross and he was resurrected, it was a finished, done work. No longer to bother us anymore. Jesus, Matthew 29, he says this, take my yoke, Upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus, He wants to bring you rest. He wants you to learn from Him. How many can agree that Jesus is our template? Okay, He is our, if we're looking to anyone else for freedom, you're not gonna find it in anything else. Or anyone else. Jesus is our template. It says that he's gentle. It says that he's humble. And then you can find rest in him. But for many of us, as Paul is speaking to the Galatians, he's saying, listen, you've been set free. Start acting like it. This yoke that you're walking around with doesn't belong to you. It's a yoke. See, we are no longer slaves. You're not a slave anymore. Listen, and I'm speaking from experience because this was me for many years. I'm walking around saying that I'm saved. I've accepted Christ. And and listen, this has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. This is not a salvation message. Receiving Christ gets you your ticket to heaven, okay? So let's just settle that once and for all. You're you're going. This is not about whether you're going to heaven or not. This is about how are you going to live between now and when you go there. See, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And, of course, we know the Lord's Prayer. But see, Jesus' desire is that we bring heaven to earth. The only way that we're going to bring heaven to earth is if we get this. Because a lot of us, we walk through our life after post-salvation, and we still have this mentality that we're a slave. But the reality is that we're free. I was in a meeting not too long ago, Uh, I'll be 46 this year, and so it's been a journey for me. I talked to Pastor Zach a little bit last night, I've been really transparent with him about where I've come from, where I've been, walked in a lot of insecurity, grew up in ministry, was a PK, MK, saw a lot of stuff that really messed me up. I'm just going to be honest. And I'm not pushing blame on anybody in particular, but I saw a lot of things that really messed me up. And I struggled with a lot of insecurity and really understanding who I am in Christ. And so I was at a meeting not too long ago, and I remember sitting there. It was during worship, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I've never experienced anything like this in my entire life. And I've seen a lot of great things. I've been a lot of great places, a lot of great revivals on, in the earth. I've experienced. But I'm sitting there during worship. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't seeking it. But the Lord gave me a glimpse of something. And what I saw and what he showed me is the way he looks at me. For a, for a split second, I saw what he sees. And can I tell you, it changed my life. Because when God looks at you, he sees the finished work. He doesn't just see Jesus, he sees you complete. Now, if we looked at ourselves that way, if we saw ourselves the way God truly sees us and we truly walked in that, we would change the world. Because I tell you, as as messed up as the world is, they're looking for an answer, and the answer we have right within us. We are carriers of God's glory. We are revival. We're not waiting for God to show up. He's already here. He's here. The reason why he's here is because he's in you. The hope of glory is inside of you. But most of us live in denial. We live in denial. We live, we live in such a way that we wake up every morning and we wonder, when's the foot going to drop? When's the other foot going to drop? God's mad at me. God's angry with me. Can I tell you that God is in a good mood and he's always in a good mood? And he doesn't just love you, he likes you. He can't wait for you to get up in the morning. He can't wait to bless you. He can't wait to show up strong in your life. He can't wait to wait to do miracles and signs and wonders through you. But until we agree with heaven, until we agree with his word, and realize that we're not carrying the yoke of bondage anymore, that it doesn't belong to us. Just as sickness doesn't belong to us, lack doesn't belong to us, all of those things that Jesus died on the cross for, it does not belong to us anymore. I love the way the message translation puts this in Matthew 29. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make, how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's awesome. You don't have to force grace. Grace is there. We live in an age of grace. You're covered by grace. Do you get that? Do you really understand that? That you're covered by grace. Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin. But God's got you. It says that you become a new creation. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. The yoke of bondage and slavery doesn't belong to you any longer. Now, Galatians 5, 2, and 3 says this, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Now, again, Paul is using, looking in context of who he's speaking to with circumcision. He's using this as an example. So you could put anything in there. It doesn't have to be circumcision. What what he's trying to say is, if you're going to try to keep the law, then you're basically... Stepping on what Jesus did. Now I'm not I'm not we're not doing away with the law. We're not taking the Ten Commandments and throwing them out and saying they don't I don't count anymore. I that's that's not the point. The point is that you're no longer subject to it, it no longer rules you. That when Jesus hung on that cross, he took everything and he bore it. Right there for you. We sang about it today. The only thing you're subject to now is Jesus. And as you're subject to him, as he becomes your focus and what you gaze upon and what you pattern your life after, you become more like him. Now, I'm going to get into something really quick. I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading this direction, so I'm going there. Jesus is the Son of God. Are we all in agreement? I hope so. If we're not, we're in big trouble. Okay, Jesus is the Son of God. Now, when Jesus came to this planet, he did something, he laid down his deity. Now, it does not change who he is. He's still the son of God, but he laid his deity down. And as he walked this earth, specifically after he got baptized. Now, listen, if Jesus was walking this planet with all of his power as the son of God, why would he need to get baptized? Why would he need to receive the Spirit, the dove that came and appeared and said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased? Why was God pleased with him that day? Because Jesus said, I don't do anything or say anything but what the Father tells me to do and say. So it's Jesus, and I want you to get this, because people look at Jesus as their temple and say, well, that was Jesus. He's the Son of God. I can't do that. Remember, Jesus laid his deity down, and he came as a man. And he received the Holy Spirit, and he was baptized. And for three and a half years, he walked this planet doing great exploits, miracles, signs, and wonders. So can we do the same? Can we live that kind of life? Is it possible that we can live in the footsteps of Jesus. He says it is. He said, in fact, before he left, he said, greater things will you do. Greater things. I don't know about you, but Jesus did some pretty awesome things while he was here on this planet. Did he not? Raise the dead, healed the sick. He did some fantastic things. So you are a son and daughter of God. That's who you are. So is what Jesus did really enough? To put put requirements on the finished work of Jesus is trying to do something that you were never, never able to do or accomplish in the first place. You can't put any prerequisites on it. It is what it is. He did it. He did everything. When you start trying to put the law before him, when you start trying to walk under that law instead of under him, that's exactly what's happening. Either you accept what he did as enough to cover cover us with his grace, or you live under the law. You can't do both. Let me read that again. Either you accept what he did as enough to cover you with his grace or you live under the law. You can't do both. Now, here's the thing. This is is where our head gets in the way. And me and Pastor Zach were talking about this. Our head really gets in the way of this. And for many of us, we live, see, we're made up of three parts. We're made of body, soul, and spirit, okay, okay? So our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And a lot of times we live our lives, but in the soulish realm. Where the most important part is our spirit. That's the part that looks most like God. That's the part that was created in his image. Because can I tell you something? Your body was not created in his image because God is a spirit. Your spirit was created in his image. So the, the part of you that looks most like him is the part of us that a lot of times we neglect. A lot of believers live out of that soulish realm. It's just, it's just what we do. And what, for whatever reason, we let, our, we let our minds get away with us. Rather than taking every thought captive and submitting it to him, we let our minds run rampant wild that's why it's important to wash your mind with the word well, It's important to meditate on the word that's why it's important to pray to to pray in the spirit to pray in your understanding Th- this isn't we don't do these things because it's vain repetition we don't do these things because it's the right thing to do to be a good christian i've got to pray and i've got to read my bible See, what, what did you just slip into when you say that? You slip right from grace into the law. You're not reading your Bible and praying because it's the right thing to do. You're doing those things because you want to be one with your Father, and you have access to do that because of Jesus. I really want you guys to get this this morning, and this is, more than, this is more than just about words. This is about a revelation. I believe that there's many in the room that may, you may be struggling in your walk. It may, you may be hitting the same roadblocks, the same mountains. It's like you keep going on the same mountain time after time after time, and you just can't get breakthrough. And I believe what the Spirit is saying this morning is you need to get out of the way. That you, you, in a lot of ways, we can't blame this on the enemy. The enemy is you. You're your own worst enemy. Verse 4 goes on to say this. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. You've heard that term before. That person fell from grace. The only way you're going to fall from grace is if you move from grace back to the law. It's like, it really is like a dog going back to its vomit. It really is. That everything that Jesus paid for, everything that he died for, we keep running back to what he came to accomplish, what he came to fulfill. Rather submitting ourselves to him. Renouncing God's grace by no longer relying on it. Can I tell you something? Grace is a gift. Grace is a person and his name is Jesus. Grace is something that you wear. You put on Christ. Christ said, I am in you and you are in me. It's who you are. We ask Jesus, we we talk about asking Jesus into our heart, into our lives. Do you understand that he's in you and you're in him? Grace is a person. Scripture admonishes us, therefore, to be diligent to make your calling and election sure by living in the way that demonstrates the reality of the Spirit's presence within us. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this. So do not lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Completing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, No grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass while its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. With these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, obvious that your old sinful nature or old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Are you experiencing Jesus? See, this isn't, to me, this isn't a one-time, salvation is a one-time deal, but experiencing Jesus is a daily thing. Are you experiencing him? Do you know him? The words say he's closer than any brother. He's, he's there. He's, he is your, he is making intercession for you before the Father. He's giving you access Come on, Access Church. He's given you access to things that will blow your minds, to the portals of heaven, to miracles, signs, and wonders that you've never seen before. He's given you access to all of those things. Galatians 5.5 For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. By faith, the hope of righteousness. The sure hope of righteousness by faith is in contrast contrast to the vain hope of righteousness by legal works. Are you going to have faith in the son of god or you going to have faith in the law because having faith in the law cancels out your faith in him see faith is something god gives us all a measure of faith we believe that he's the son of god we believe that he died for our sins god's not asking you to believe in the law He's asking you to believe in him. Because the law didn't set you free, he did. The Holy Spirit gives eager anticipation of justification on the last day because we have already been justified in Christ. That same spirit imparting to us the saving benefits of our risen Savior is our foretaste. Of the fulfilled heritage and glory. Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, what is your righteousness wrapped up in? It's your belief, having faith in the one that paid it all makes you right with God. What doesn't make you right with God is doing everything right. (laughs) Come on, if that was the case, we're all in trouble. Because nobody in this room is perfect. So if your right standing with God had to do with doing everything right, we're sunk. It has nothing to do with doing everything right. It has everything to do with what he did. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of understanding, privilege, where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Nobody's going to say amen to that one. Nobody wants hard times. Nobody wants trials, tribulations. But it does build one thing, and that's endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Can I tell you this? Everything we're talking about today is about love. It is about how deeply in love he is with you. We need more love. This world, this country, this state, this community needs more love. They need, can I tell you that a lot of specifically unbelievers but even believers their view of their heavenly father is that somehow he's angry with you that he's waiting for you to mess up so that he can strike you down that he's an angry god can i tell you that is the furthest from the truth that is not who he is it's not in his character it's it is just not who he is god is love Period. There's some people in the room that are struggling with self-hate. For some reason or another along the line in your life, something has happened, things have happened in your life that really you you loathe yourself. You don't love yourself. Can I tell you 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 need a good, healthy dose of loving yourself. If you can't love yourself, you're never going to love anyone else. It's not going to happen. Because listen, that agape love, that love of God that wants to reign in your life, that wants to flow like a river out of you to a a lost and hurting and dying world is only going to be released If you allow that love to change you, to change you, quit, quit looking at everyone else around you. We like to point fingers. We like to just, you need, you need to stop and, and, and you need to start, you need to look within yourself. Most people that are mean or hateful, the reason they're that way is because they don't like themselves. Galatians 5, 6, I dig it to verse 6, yes. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Now, Paul is not arguing against circumcision itself, but against the attempt to make the right of requirement for salvation. The one who believes in Jesus Christ and demonstrates the reality of his belief through a sanctified life, is saved. The word clearly states that faith without works is dead. It's not enough just to have faith. Okay? Now, people, there's a, there's a difference between works and living under the law. Do you understand? Like, we're not trying to, trying to work for our salvation. That's, that, is, that is under grace. That belongs to us because Jesus died on the cross. But there is something about works. And that works, those works that we're talking about, is love. is allowing God to use you to love others. There is a lot of intolerance in the church, specifically for people that aren't like us. I'm telling you, this is the truth. A lot of intolerance. Whether it's towards the homosexuals, whether it's towards the Muslims. What if a Muslim walked in here today, and and you knew for whatever reason you knew they were a Muslim? What would Jesus do? How would He act? How would he treat them? And I know that this is a very, very touchy subject right now with Syria and the refugees and everything. And I'm not saying that we put on blinders, we put stick our sticker head in the sand, pretend like it's not happening, and just open our eyes and say, Come on in, terrorize us. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. That we have to use wisdom. We, God gave us a brain, we need to use it. Common sense. But the intolerance that's in the church today, we need, to, we, need to, we need to cut it out. It's not who Jesus is. It's not who God is. People are attracted to, to, to the Father because of his love. He draws people because of his goodness. And can I tell you, God is good. He is good. His goodness, it lasts forever forever. Everlasting goodness. Just because somebody doesn't believe like we believe or maybe we don't agree with the way they're living and their lifestyle doesn't give us the right to ostracize them, to cast them off. Jesus came with open arms. Can I tell you, you're not going to change the homosexual. You're not going to somehow open the eyes of the Muslim or the Hindu or the Buddhist or the atheist. There, there is nothing that you're going to say in word that is going to change them. What's going to change them is Love. He said, they shall know you by your love for one another. When the world sees God for who he really is, and the only way that they're going to see God for who he really is, is demonstrated through us. Because we are the representation of who God is. We are to represent him on a daily basis. The only way you're going to do that is if you're walking not under the bondage and the slavery of law, but under grace, that you know exactly who you are. Now, I think it's interesting. The last thing I'm going to share with you, you know, we, re- we just went through Galatians chapter 5, and and I'm I'm, I'm grappling with this this morning because I went back to Galatians chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4. And what I'm going to read to you to close things out, I'm thinking, what? okay, Paul told them in Galatians chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 into chapter 4, who they are. But then in chapter 5, he's talking about, he's addressing people that are, are making a big deal about the the Gentiles and not being circumcised, and how can they be, oh, everybody's in an uproar, okay? I'm like, did they not listen to, I mean, like, th- why did he put that order? I'm not really sure why he put that before what I'm about to read you. Because this, to me, is why Jesus came. This This is who we are. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God. Now, that includes daughters, okay? When it says sons, it's talking about sons and daughters. Through faith in Christ Jesus. To me, that first line is enough. It's pretty dogmatic. You are all sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the master of all, but but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, can I tell you when Jesus came, the fullness of time had come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the spirit of adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, than an heir of God through Christ." You are royalty. Every single person in this room that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are royalty. Everything that he has belongs to you. Access to everything that he has access to, you have access to. The only thing, and this is the thing, right? It's it's a sham. It's, it's It's a farce when you begin to slip back into the law, you, you really, what you're doing is you're, you're disabling the access that you have to the greater things. If I could have the worship team come on up. Now, I believe that there are people in this room they'll want more. I know there's people in this room who want more. And I believe that even as I was speaking this morning, the one, my prayer this morning was that there will be something caught in the spirit, that there will be a revelation released this morning. Because many of you we know, we know the religious thing to do. Mo- many of us, we know exactly what we need to do, when we need to do it, and the order we need to do it. But God has more. There is a deeper relationship. There is a deeper walk. There is, God wants to give you access to more. And so this morning, as the worship team begins to play, I just want, I just felt like this morning, as far as altar call goes, this isn't, like I said in the beginning, this isn't a salvation message. This is a more message. And everybody in this room is probably at a different place. And you walk with Christ, and that's okay. We're not robots. Okay? they're just, We're just not. Everybody's at a different level. Everybody's at a different place, and that is totally fine. You're not, you're not worrying God. God's not sitting in heaven wringing his hands going, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they getting this? Okay, that's not, that's not your father. That's not how he thinks. That's not how he views you. But everyone in this room is at a different place. So I didn't feel this morning there was a, a specific call to the altar, but, but a more generalized call that I believe that there are people in the room that are saying, wherever you're at, whatever level you're at, the Lord revealed to you this morning through the Holy Spirit that there, there's another level. Because can I tell you, we serve a God that is inexhaustible. You're, you are not going to reach the end when it comes to your father. He is so big. There's so much about him that we don't understand. There's so many, so many things that he wants to reveal to you about himself. But a lot of times the only way we're going to get there is if we get out of the way. Oh, okay? Your brain's telling you, I'm going to stay right here in my seat. You need to shut your brain off. You need to tell your brain shut up. Tell your mind—that's what your mind wants to tell you to do. Well, I don't need this. That—that's not me. Come on. If we're all being honest, that's every single one of us in the room, including myself. So this morning I asked you to stand to your feet. Listen, I just as as Pastor Zach said, man, my heart is to see. I believe revival is already here. Revival is in each and every one of you. Some of you, it's burning a little harder than others. But I'm telling you right now, God has not called you to be stationary, He's always calling you higher always calling you higher, 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 higher. It, you never stop growing. You're never, as that scripture said, you're never allowing grass to grow into your feet. You're moving. God's always moving. God's always speaking. And so this morning I'm asking is, the worship team jumps into a song that you would just find a place that that as you walk the the aisles, to come to the front, to the altar. I, I Can I tell you, I still believe in the altar. Some churches you go to, they don't have an altar call anymore. They don't believe in, for whatever reason, they don't. That, to me, come on. This is where I found Jesus, right here, at the altar. There's something about taking that step and saying, you know what? I want more. Who's signing up for more this morning? If that's you this morning, I want you to come on up front.